Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. The boys are back together. We had a couple of guest hosts the last two weeks, but we are here, as ever, with Jackson Laundry and... Mr. Cool But Rude, Nicholas Chase. I'm here. <laughs> uh, let's do this. It's all three of us together. It's been a while, so pretty stoked to have the crew back together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't really know much about the episode or the guest. This is all Jackson's, but it's going to be pretty sick. I could just feel it in my guts. But I will tell you, before we roll into that, Garrick is going to tell us all about the sweet mother and Patreon giveaways and how that's going to work so we all really 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 appreciate any of our patreon members already but garrick tell them what's coming up for everyone else who might want to come on board yeah so thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the patreon as of right now with even without any promises really of anything came on board supporting us and now we are in a position where we are about to do some monthly giveaways to our patrons right now we have three so some pretty good odds that you're going to win it this month. It is a <laughs> pair of goggles and a gift card for, yeah, it's $50 for Jack Rabbit, uh, which is one of our sponsors on the team. That's where we get running apparel and shoes mostly. So, I mean, it's worth it. You, you pay eight bucks to subscribe, eight bucks Canadian, and you could win, you could win $50. Fifty U.S. Buck, yeah, yeah, buck fifty, basically U.S. dollars to sign up for eight dollars Canadian. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and but, okay, yeah, go ahead. Another, and another big giveaway, which is it's all going to be together in a prize pack, but it's going to be through off Rolf wheels. Any set of Rolf wheels on our team store, that'll be a coupon we give out. So you don't see high-end wheels like that going 30 percent off too often so that's going to be a really good deal uh team store we haven't really fully launched yet it's ready to go and you'll be able to buy the wheels immediately but we've got to just finalize that and then we're going to have a ton of uh awesome products on there we already have quite a few so if you haven't checked that out yet we will put the link in the description here and you can be among the first to take a look at that website so to recap you get a 50 dollar gift card from jackrabbit running store which is friggin' sweet running shoes. You can save 50 bucks on those carbon running shoes if you want them. And then Rolf Prima, you can get a six set of wheels, 30% off. That is freaking way cheap. So let's just say, I don't even know how much that is off, what, 100 bucks? Uh, I mean, what? Don't try to do math. Just it's 30%. Three, three. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and then the final, the final blue 70 goggles, those little gems of goggles. So yeah, you're going to win all that just for being a patron thank you and you have until the end of the month to become a patron and then we will include you in that draw and all our patrons this month are going to be getting a bonus episode which we're going to record it's a little bit more of a casual laid-back fun episode where we just kind of talk with our buddy dave hopton who's going to be our guest today as well and uh just kind of share some race stories and some fun travel stories and uh keep it a little bit more laid back and details about garrick's sex change oh only fans only 
That's like on top of Patreon. Like you have to be a Patreon and an OnlyFans for Garrick for that one. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty expensive episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So today's episode then for everyone, not just the patrons, is Patreons. Is it Patreons or Patrons? I think the website's Patreon, but then the people that subscribe are Patrons. Okay. Totes. Yeah, they're, they're patrons. Cool. So anyways, um, our guest today is going to be David Hopton. He is a good friend of mine, um, athlete I trained with for years, and he kind of retired from racing and is now a full-time coach. And he coaches junior athletes, and he is definitely one of the best junior coaches there is. He's got a ton of successful athletes. He has a really good thing going there. And we're just going to figure out, you know, How'd you get into that? And, you know, how do you coach a junior compared to coaching, you know, age group athlete or an, an older athlete? Cause he does coach both. So interesting to hear that. And just, you know, some of the nuances of coaching those young up and coming athletes. Yeah. So tons of experience and tons of success. Uh, he's actually waiting right now. So we are going to just hop straight into that right now. Ha ha. Cause David hopped in, hopped right into it. All right. <laughs> All right, so we are here with our good buddy, David Hopton. Man, how are you doing? Good. How's it going, Gary? It's, it's, she's a going, man. Thank, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you coming on here. This is kind of a topic we haven't touched upon with, with anybody. Um, so we know you are Mr. Youth Coach, and your entire goal is to burn out these juniors prior to moving up to the senior level. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's rude. No, for real though, man, you've been around forever. Uh, like Dave Hopton is like, I'm pretty sure you're like the first person to do triathlon in Ontario. <laughs> so how did it all Wait, get started how old for are you? you? I'm, seeing that old. Not I'm, old. So how I'm old 28, you? but I got my start in 2000 Jesus. and, uh, or sorry, in 2001. Um, yeah, watch, I'm one of those, watch sign Whitfield win gold and got into sport that way. So. Okay, so let's just jump into that. 2001, you're, you know, what, nine years old? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So literally I think it was like a late Olympics cause it was in Sydney that year. Um, so that winter literally like learned to swim, took the training wheels off the bike, which is yeah, pretty late, uh, for the training <laughs> wheels. And, uh, and yeah, did my first try Caledon, um, that may. And, uh, yeah, there was like, I think that was Andrew York's first try. could be wrong. Um, my, my best man, I'm getting married this summer. My best man, uh, won the race. Um, so kind of cool little uh, first first try for sure that's sweet so Kaladin so that must have been uh something that Barry Shepley was involved with them yeah definitely yeah Barry, that was Barry's race and I don't know what it was like the year before I think it happened but that I was not the only Simon Whitfield kid like it boomed and that might have been like those three years maybe might have been like the peak of kids of steel and and youth racing and uh in triathlon there was there was a series for a while where there was like and again, probably not the best for like 11 year olds to have a series, but you could get points like all across the, every race had like a point system and your top five point races counted and stuff. It was pretty intense back then for like youth racing. Nice. I kind of remember a little bit of that. Cause I, I did my first race in like Oh four. And then my dad wanted me to kind of like do a couple more and I wanted to try it. And I like tried a couple of the, like a mountain bike and I was just like getting dusted by all these hardcore kids uh in these races but yeah it was definitely pretty intense 
Um, so you just stayed with the sport. And when we actually met, you were probably 20 ish or something like that, or maybe a little older. And we kind of trained when Garrick and I were early in LPC and, and you joined LPC a little bit later. And then we all trained together. But when you, that's kind of later on, but when you were like a junior, you were like pretty serious about the sport going at the elite level. Um, so what was that like? And kind of how did that progress over the years? Yeah. Um, I don't know, listening to, to other elites, like talk back on their junior experience. I, it sounds really cool, but to be honest, I wasn't in at that high a level where I didn't like travel to Kelowna or I, I pretty much stayed local. So just because I wasn't good enough, like I would have loved to, to travel outside, but it really like I was getting good enough competition in the, in the provincial level. So, um, but yeah, I was definitely like triathlon was my life. I was really into it. Um, since about 13, I would say like triathlon was my life. So those first five years, I kind of did it on the side of hockey and soccer. And, um, yeah, I guess we're at 15 years now that it's like pretty much been my entire life. Nice. When did you know that you wanted to go into coaching? Because like you said, you pursued like that elite level for a while and you trained with us and obviously you did race at a pretty elite level. I don't think you've ever been beaten in Cornwall. Um, and like, yeah. when, when did you decide you wanted to be a coach and how was that shift for you from elite sport to coaching? Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a gradual transition for sure. Um, I think I always kind of wanted to coach. Um, I guess you yeah, had to give kind of more backstory when I went, I was in at McMaster, I was training with C3 at the time. And again, another kind of like golden era, uh, of like, I don't know, Ontario triathlon at the time, Andrew York, Lionel Sanders, John Rasmussen, Taylor Reed, were all Mac students all on C3. Um, and then, yeah, other, other guys as well. Um, there's probably a good, like eight, 10 of us. Um, and, but with C3, because I was like, not one of the top guns, it was, it was pretty like self-coached, um, for the most part, like I was on C3 and, and Barry's the, the head of the program, but wasn't really coaching. Uh, I was kind of got to swim at the Mac varsity and run with Mac varsity. Um, but that was, I say like kind of the start of my coaching was coaching myself. Um, and then in 20, end of 2015, the real start of my coaching. So it was always something I wanted to do, but, uh, I was studying for exams. I remember I got a text from Lionel saying, uh, so Lionel Sanders had been doing, he'd been coaching the Hammerheads for about a year at that point, uh, which was this big, pretty big team that had, uh, in, in Hamilton, probably for 15 years at that point. And, uh, said hey do you want to do some coaching for the hammerheads and i was like of course i'd love to how much what are we what are we thinking here and he said uh basically you can have the whole team i i don't think i can keep doing this so he if that if we're thinking 2013 i think that was the year he like won muskoka and like put himself on the map and kind of was just like hey i can do this full time i'm going to transition out of the sport and so that's how i transitioned into getting his job um and taking over as the hammerheads um so that's how i got into coaching uh, Nice. So that's like got a while ago now. And I, I've even coaching for a while. Cause all the time that we, um, we trained together was probably between like 2015 to 18 kind of thing. And you were coaching all that time. So you would always have to like get back and do the, do the coaching. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot of people now, um, their, their main interaction with their coaches like online, but you were doing like in-person coaching for all these kids for swims, spikes and runs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, it's been, 
been lucky for my coach development to kind of, yeah, have this, get to take over this program that was already established. And then I think a year later, Matt Reed took it over even more and he had an established program and they kind of amalgamated. And so it's, it's allowed me to get to do all this in-person coaching. I don't do a ton of like the behind the scenes, like uh, admin part of, part of coaching, which is probably a skill I need to work on, but it's been nice for my coach development in that I, I just coach full time, like a lot. <laughs> so a big difference I think is the U.S. doesn't have any of this shit. Like there's <laughs> very rarely any sort of like coach who's like, oh, I'll coach you for three sports. No problem. Parents are interested. Kids are stoked about it. It's like, unless you're on track and field, football, or maybe like lacrosse in some states like California, you know, where they've got the pretty boys. Uh, and girls it's like this shit doesn't even exist so why is it that canada cares triathlon at a young age what is it yeah i it's a good question i think uh like this a lot of i'd say from yeah 20 2000 to 2016 a lot of that canadian success comes back to uh simon winning and kind of fostering this this community and this kids of steel and i think barry's a pretty big part of that he was um, kind of got Tri Ontario off the ground in those early 2000 years. And uh, yeah, I think it's been kind of people like people like me um, before me that have kind of kept this uh, kind of train running. But though, yeah, there is definitely that 2000 spark is I think what started it. And it's been kind of um, fading in. And yeah, I'd be interested to know what it's been like in the States since since Gwen in 2016. Like, was that a bit of a spark that that got some youth triathlon going or are they still just like trying to pick up uh, varsity swimmers and saying hey <laughs> come do i still think it's i still think it's like low-key um athletes who are like well you're not quite as fast as a track and field runner but it looks like you can probably swim so let's just see if you can have a better shot at triathlon like the focus is probably dominant on scholarships and where the money isn't but now that the women's side of triathlon is ncaa I've seen some scholarships come out of there and that's been pretty cool, but that hasn't really, in my opinion, translated to like youth programs starting up. Like there's not like a big group of people who are like, you know what, this is going to be a big sport one day. We better start pumping our kids into it, buying them $3,000 bikes every friggin' two years when they grow up. Um, but you know, that kind of takes me to the next point. How, how does gear work for all youth athletes? Like, is, are there a lot of sponsor contributions? Is there hand-me-downs or are they just breaking shit? Yeah, um, I think uh, hand-me-downs is a big part. And I'd say that's like one, of, like you're right, it's a big barrier. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we can bring as a club um, is that like when I took over the Hammerheads, the team had like six or eight road bikes, um, like low-end road bikes, perfect like starter bikes um, that you could uh, lend out to Thank these you. kids to try the sport for a year. Um, and yeah, I think we, we I think our, our philosophy was just like lend it to them. They pay for like a tune up to kind of, cause the things weren't always in the best shape and say, Hey, yeah, you can take this for the year. And hopefully after, yeah, after that year, they've either kind of caught the bug and, and make the investment. But a bit, another big thing is we're, we're big into like, you can do it with a mountain bike kind of, kind of style, like mm -hmm. not, um, yeah, not pushing, pushing, buying gear. And, uh, I don't know, I guess with as you're getting older into the juniors i still think that's a, a big part of my, i feel like my job is convincing parents and these juniors not to go and, and spend 10 grand on a bike or um i think like figuring out what to spend your money on 
is is a, a bit of an important part of my job because uh, well, there's yeah there's so much. Well, let's let's expand on that. It's a great time. Um, let's say that one of our listeners has some kids and they want to try to get them involved in the sport at a younger age, or at least expose them to it more with some gear. What's the best way a parent can start to negotiate all these things and figure out if their kids are even going to like it? Like, what do you recommend? Yeah, I guess uh, just keeping it bare bones and and really realizing that as long as you have a bike, shoes, and goggles, and a and a swimsuit. Like you've got what you need to 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 train, um, and hitting home the point that yes, this piece of equipment might save a minute off their time, but that that doesn't matter. Uh, that's kind of the key, right? Is like most of these beyond that, like beyond once you've got a mountain bike and shoes, you can you can do the sport, but you you're not, you can't be competitive on a mountain bike. Um, and so trying to kind of convince, uh, convince people that, uh, it's okay. Like you don't, you don't, you need your 15 year old to have durace. Uh, you, you don't need, uh, like the carbon fiber shoes. Um, but there's probably a couple kids who are really good who you're like, well, you know, if you want them to take the sport seriously, I mean, and also, can you let us know, like, is there some sort of a scholarship opportunity in Canada over the U S like, or anything that no, these kids no. are working for? Definitely not. So it actually going back to what you said earlier about how, like, there's not a lot of programs in the States for kids and stuff. There's actually not a whole lot in Canada either. Like there's in Ontario, like there's a couple clubs in there, but like okay. if someone from like, I don't know, let's say like, you know, name that city. That's just kind of like not a big city. Is uh, it Saskatoon. Well, sure. But yeah, I mean, like they kind of have the hubs and then those places tend to get a bigger program because of guys like Dave or, you know, whoever the coach is there and then they tell their friends and then it's like, oh, that you know, all my friends are doing and it's fun and that kind of thing. But a lot of the time, there's just not a whole lot. Like where I grew up in Belleville, there was, there was nothing. There was, I was the only kid in the whole city who did the sport really. How did you get exposed to it? There was a race one year. There was a kids of steel race in Belleville and uh and there was like in my age group alone 64 kids did it which is like i I was 10 11 year old so that's just a small age group and then after that there was never another one in belleville but it was like 45 minutes down the road and and then only like five kids per age group would do it um but that's how i first got into it but yeah i mean that's you know that's just a good example of like you just have to show people that the sport's there and that's really i think what dave's program does because he's got a lot of kids now and uh how many they're out there rounding around and stuff like people see what they're doing yeah we've got like uh 25 juniors and 25 kos so like that's from like so maybe around 40 or 50 kids from uh like 9 to 18 um and the the hammerhead and koalas it's very like family focused so there's a ton of parents on the team as well And, and there's adults on the team who don't have kids on the team but uh that's been a big part of Matt's vision is kind of this, this family focused, uh, this family focused idea. And KOS for those listening is, is kids of steel, which is just like youth. So under 16, essentially, is that, that's what you mean, right? Yeah. We, with our club, we, we call it at 13. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like our divide is like, we don't really want people getting very serious. So that like nine to 12 program is, uh, like our, I would call that our youth program. And that's like very much, just like 
staying fit and learning the sport and that, and that kind of thing. And then, uh, yeah, at 13, 14 being like, all right, if you're serious about this, you should probably get in the pool more and let's make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's kind of an important thing here. So if there's a kid, say I have a kid, um, and what? he really wants Eric to be a kid that nobody knows about. That's what's being said right now. <laughs> so, yeah. So say, say one of my kids that nobody knows about is <laughs> he's, Daddy, he's like nine or 10 and he's like, Oh, I want to be like uncle Nick chase and be a professional triathlete. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> <laughs> what, where would you recommend him going? Because obviously like developing swimming and stuff is a big important thing. But if I throw him in the pool, when he's like nine or 10, he's going to be swimming 12 times a week. He's not going to have time for hockey like dad wants him to do. So what, like what track should he take if say he wants to go elite or how would you foster that athlete into an elite? Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, looking towards guys like you who have made pro careers and didn't get into the sport till their late teens, um, I think is, is really good for people to see, like you can still pick up this sport late. It's a late developing sport. Um, and yeah, I don't know, maybe we'll dive into this deeper, but like, really, we don't want to focus too much on this success at 14, 15 and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to your point about the swim, the swim obviously is crucial. And I think, um, that's the, like, I feel like I've worked really hard to make sure that the athletes in my program are, are, can be just as good swimmers as athletes in a swim program, but that's probably not that true of that many tri programs. Um, and I guess also to Nick's point, like you don't need a tri program to like, if, if you're 10 years old and want to be a professional someday, and there's not a tri, uh, triathlon program in your area, get on that swim team for sure. Um, but I've worked really hard to make our program to the point where it is swim, bike and run. You don't need to be like, you don't, you're not on a swim team on the side We're we're in the water five, six times a week. And, um, but also are going to work on your bike skills and your transition skills and, and things like that. And is that year round or how, and how flexible are you guys like within those sessions about kids showing up oh, to five or six sessions? Yeah. Oh, super flexible. So, um, and, and yeah, I guess, I don't know that it comes down to a bit of numbers of like, there's not that many, uh, there's not going to be, it's not hockey. There's not going to be that many kids into triathlon. So I think we, uh, an important thing that I think keeps our club together is we have people that are really serious and we have people that aren't that serious working out together in the same environment. And sure for those really serious kids, maybe it's sometimes hard for them at practice to not be in that elite environment, but all that's like, I don't, I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, but yeah, like we, we have kids who show up once a week and we have kids who, uh, do it pretty much six days a week. So, so I have some, uh, like, I just kind of, first off, I really like how you guys have that open approach. And like you said, elite athletes develop from like Nick is a very good elite athlete and he didn't get into it till what, 23 or something. Something um, like that. So it's, you know, it's never a case of like, oh, the earlier I train really hard, the better, like that is, if anything, not true. Like it's, it's just gotta be fun. And so like, what does it look like from a more technical side of things? Like, let's say you have the nine to 12 year old kid who wants to train as much as you guys will let him, 
what do you let that uh, boy or girl do versus like a 13 to 15 year old and then like versus a 16 to 19 year old? Yeah, good question. So that nine to 12, uh, at, we're pretty much, we don't want it to be their only sport at that point. So um, that's why they're separated there instead of at 15. And so that nine to 12 is like, if you, which almost probably none of them go into every practice, but there's probably like three runs, one bike and three swims or something like that. Um, it changes a bit throughout the year, but uh, no come to every workout. Uh, we're not diving it. Like it's, it's, um, it's very casual and, and just trying to teaching them the sport and keeping it fun. Um, and then from 12 to 15 or yeah, 13 to 13 to 15, I think that's when athletes are starting to kind of decide like, am I, am I just going to do triathlon? Do I want to try to get, get this to a high level? And so that's when we start to get this, uh, this dichotomy of some athletes, um, kind of diving in full throttle and, um, and then, and some kind of just doing it super casually, but those who do it seriously, um, like it's definitely not unreasonable for them to be swimming five or six times a week. And, uh, how many meters is that? Buddy? So we don't have super long swims. I would say like 15, 15 K, uh, maybe like the older teenagers doing like 20 K. Um, and, okay. uh, yeah, it's weird talking swimming. I, I'm, I've coached, haven't coached much swimming in the last year. Um, per week. Per week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, per week. week. 15k still a lot. Like that's still a lot compared to what most age groupers would do or whatever. But most swimmers at that age are swimming at least twice. 30 to 50. (laughs) Yeah. So so I feel like um coming in as this 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 young like hotshot coach who's like athletes are having success. I feel like um there's been a bit of I like I like people don't really know what we're doing, but I think they just assume like, oh man, they must be doing a ton and is 15k a week. A, a ton and stuff and like you said when you're looking at what these like if, if your kids in swimming at that age they're training 20 24 hours a week um like so doing 15 hours a week with try is is really not crazy um the run is definitely the one sport where uh we try to kind of control it a bit more and make sure that they're not going going overboard um and and that gets really tough kids they're, they're on the soccer, they're doing soccer with school for two months on top of everything else. And kind of keeping track of that, that becomes a big part of my job, I guess. When do you start seeing like the competitive edge start to be a bigger factor? Like what age category starts to be like that little fire in their eye to hunt and destroy all ages. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Su- super young. Um, I, uh, I feel like too, like you don't really want to see the fire fire too young. And, and that, that's a whole thing with youth coaching of like, what do you do with somebody who never loses uh, from, from 10 to 14? And then they go into 16 to 19 and they, they get crushed. Um, it's really hard to keep somebody like that in the sport. And so um, again, I think that would be like uh, a piece of advice I would have for people is make sure you're going into races where uh, you're the best to build confidence. You're right in the pack. Um, and, and also like at the back of the pack. Cause I think you, you really need to, uh, you can't win everything at that age. I think like being in races of different ability levels is important. Do you focus a lot on sports psychology as a youth coach as a way to 
really do some difference on, you know, on and off the field? Not really. Um, I feel like it's definitely something I've uh, tried to learn a bit about. Um, but uh, this, the most important psychology side of my job is like the nutrition psychology. So like, um, and yeah, I don't know this, I, I don't know if we want to get too big into this deep kind of worms with like red, red S and stuff like that with reds, but yeah, um, talk about what you try to do to avoid that with athletes. Okay. But, but yeah, so I don't know. You want me to dive right into that now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, go for it. Okay. So yeah, a big part of my job that I didn't, um, realize when I got the job from Lionel in 2014 was that, um, like athletes being like it's so common for athletes to be in energy efficiency especially when they're training this much and uh things on the media are talking about like um weight like, eating disorders yeah and like organic food and and like as if that's like that's what's like important and i'll have parents come to me and say like oh my kid eats like a lot of junk food like is that a bad thing and uh changing that mindset of like the biggest nutrition problem your kid's gonna have is getting enough it's not what their carbs to protein ratio is. It's not if they're having candy after 8 p.m. Um, like that's that's their problem. And, um, but that has a big psychological component, right? Of, of yeah, getting into like eating disorders and yeah. that kind of thing. So, and just, yeah, people's relationship with food and stuff like that. So that's where psychology comes in is kind of, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely become a pretty big part of my job. Um, of, of yeah having making sure these athletes have have healthy relationships with food and are, are eating enough are you are you doing weigh-ins or big no like big no no yeah yeah that's that yeah so I, I had an athlete like i was coaching online and uh like saw that they were weighing themselves and like that's cut it cut it out right away definitely um i think yeah i think it's just it would be nice as the coach to maybe have that information so you could catch these things but i think it's just outweighed by uh, them having to see those numbers. The yeah. Stress. So, um, yeah. Uh, so some things I do on that front, um, with Zwift and stuff with Watts per kg, I try not to get the, like, ev I, I say like, I don't care if your number's off by a little bit, like you're not checking your weight every week to make sure your Zwift numbers are up to date. Like it's, it's just, it's a computer game. Let's not get, let's not get too worried about it. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think, I think the bigger, the bigger thing with reds is, uh, yeah, they, they could be, whether it's what they're seeing on Instagram or what they're taught, their friends are saying at school or whatever, but it's, um, that's, it's, it's so prevalent in, in men and women. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, you should, uh, but like it can lead to, or it leads, leads to injuries, especially stress fractures and stuff like that. And so that's been, uh, a big part of my job is keeping athletes healthy. And the biggest part to that injury puzzle in my opinion is that energy balance dude yeah man it's amazing how it's just... prevalent like how prevalent this is in like youth programs so recently i had an athlete uh come to me she was referred to me and when she was a junior she's a few years out of junior now she's been plagued with injuries ever since uh and she had a coach back when she was a youth that used to have them weigh in on deck and it's just, it's Ouch. destroyed her relationship with food. It's, she still has trouble with it and she's still dealing with like, in, like injuries from that and just deficiencies from that. So like, yeah. Because of the I age, can, right? Because the age that that happens at yeah. when you're, let's say 
12 to 18, those are the peak years where your bones are actually growing. Well, your body, obviously, but your bone density is really growing at that time. And if you're not getting what you need, you just never hit that peak as easily on your bone density and you can't really get it back. And that's why having people like Dave who are coaching juniors who know that is very important because um, you can completely avoid that kind of stuff. Yeah. And something I haven't really thought about till we're ta- having this conversation, but like it, you, it might seem like 12 years old is, is early to be in a tri program, but uh, to, to Nick's point of like, you got people coming from other sports uh, I'll, I'll get runners who are 14 and uh, they're in a run program and like, maybe they, they've never had a period or, or something like that. And like, or they've already, they, they were on their high school team and uh, the, the girls on the team talk about like eating a thousand calories a day. And, and, and like, there's just these toxic environments that they can get elsewhere. So I think being in a, it doesn't have to be a triathlon team, but I, I think being in a positive environment for like at, at like 11, 12 and, and set like putting these things uh, in, in their heads early is, is really important. And that comes from good coaching too. Like it's, it's up to the coach to not propagate this terribly awful, you know, I guess level of thinking when it comes to food. And once that relationship is tarnished at a young age, like I still have friends who don't eat properly because of what went, went on in high school. So good on you for taking that huge leap forward in the food psychology um, something I'm going to ask you to answer in our off t- or our whatever special episode too, if listeners want to get an answer to that, is I want you to talk a lot about the parents dynamic too, because parents, in my opinion, can just undo everything you're doing. And I think we'd love to hear some stories. Oh, yeah. So that'll be for our patrons. <laughs> sounds to good. Hear. Sounds good. But one more um, question just to give us. Yeah, us off here. Uh, so just on a basic level, like let's say you have, Cause you do, you do coach adults as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's say you have an adult athlete who's like a good age group athlete who performs well, and they have maybe 15 hours a week that they're able to train. And then you have a junior athlete who performs well and they have 15 hours a week and they're an older junior, so they can handle that volume. Like how would those two programs kind of look just generally like numbers wise for hours? And like, is the kid doing more intensity on the run or the adult or like, how would that look? Yeah. Um, so I'd say surface level, like not super different. I think uh, the demands of competition are similar. Um, and so you don't want it to look that different. If we're talking like a non-draft versus a draft legal, which is pretty common, like I think most, and that might not be aware to most of your listeners, but pretty much all the juniors uh, from Canada and Ontario, definitely. there's some kind of, uh, they definitely want them funneling towards draft legal and you guys in the non-draft community probably have some (laughs) thoughts about that but um that's the reality is these kids are draft legal focused um of what i feel like i'm getting from the higher ups that's what they want us to be focused on and so that difference is gonna just mean there's way more time in the water right so and, and less time on the bike so um yeah we're trying to develop the swim early uh like you said if they're pure swimmers, they'd be swimming five to nine times a week. So them swimming five times a week is not crazy at all. Um, and where's if, if they're both training 15 hours, where's that coming out of, um, the bike and, and probably the run too. Uh, especially like, I, like I said, I'm working really hard with this red stuff, but there's still tons of athletes who they're in a hole where they really can't handle a lot of run mileage. Um, 
And so, uh, yeah, on average, I'd say I'm going to have my adults running a, a fair bit more mileage than my, my junior athlete. Um, real quick, I had a question. When does one of these sessions happen during the day for the kids? Like, are they doing anything before or after school? Yeah, that, that's something I'm, uh, I'm passionate about. So we don't have any morning practices, maybe on a Saturday at like 11 a.m. or something like that would be the earliest. Um, and yeah, we're really lucky, I guess, uh, to, to have the pool time we do. Um, but uh, it also comes with a negative of like, they're, if they're doing two, two a days, they're stacking them both after school. And that's yeah. maybe going to affect the quality of the workout. But I feel like coaches out there uh, talk about the importance of sleep so much and then they're scheduling a 5.30 practice. And like, what's the one thing I can control to help the athlete sleep is not making them get up at 5.30, not making them get up at 7, 8, yeah. letting them actually sleep. So no morning and practices. That must have so much like effect on just their longevity and their sport relative to burnout because you see these freaking swimmers, man. They're up at 5.30 every morning, 5K in the morning. And then they go to school for an entire day and then they swim another 5k and then lift weights in the afternoon and then do homework. And then they're probably in bed 10, 11 and they have to get back up again at like 4am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's like an all day babysitter for the parents. That's what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah. It's the swimming, the swimmers is crazy. And I've had like, like swimmers come over at like 14 or whatever and start doing try and they love it. Like they, they love, they love not having to get up at that five thirty, and the same amount of hours can seem, seems a lot more manageable when you're not doing that. Exactly. That age. Sick. Cool, man. Well, we want to thank you for jumping on here. We are going to jump across to Patreon now. For so if you want to hear about some funny stories of when Dave was a pro and he and him and I and Garrick went to a race and had some fun. Uh, for a weekend pants, trip. I heard. So well, yeah, you're going to get to find out, but yeah, yeah. we're going to give our patrons a special little episode and we'll go into some fun stories. Yeah. So well, that thanks, was Dave. Yeah. We appreciate everything you do. Yeah. yeah thanks Dave so much Hopkin, for having me on, guys. The best development coach in definitely Ontario, maybe Canada, maybe the world. <laughs> world, world, worldwide. <laughs>
for sure. He's a great kid, man. Great kid. And yeah, other than that, I mean, it was a great episode. I think he, it was really great to hear all the things he focuses on as a coach for youth, because it's all the things you want to hear that are just going to develop a long-term relationship with the sport. If the kid wants it and they're not going to be too high pressure and get into too much is like, he's a damn good coach. Like he has some really good athletes. He develops his athletes. Well, he has a lot of success. Um, his athletes do. So, um, definitely he is well-renowned for that. He's very humble and he would never say that out loud. So we got to say it for him. Exactly. Um, and Patreon. Yeah. Get on that. We just recorded a bonus episode. You can, you can sign up by the end of the month. You'll get into that draw right now. There are only three people who are patrons. So your chances of getting the $50 Jackrabbit uh, gift card and the blue 70 goggles and the 30% off coupon for Rolf from our team store are pretty high. So jump on that and we're going to have giveaways every month and bonus episodes coming through several times, hopefully every month we can, we'll, yeah, we'll try. So, and the giveaways are always gonna be different. Sometimes we're going to give like a $5 coupon. If you spend $300 at our store, sometimes it's going to be something real big and free. You just want to, <laughs> you want to get involved in the Patreon because we might even give away Jackson's beard. You might even get a new car. You never know. <laughs> That's true. Working on that Audi sponsor. So, boys, should we sign her out? Okay. Yep. With that further ad. Peace. Out. Out? Question mark. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one man mission, trying to see it through.